Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Welcome to Freedom of Species, you're on 855 AM, 3CR Community Powered Radio, and we're back again for another show. Thanks so much, Sally, for the shout out for the show, and um, for another fantastic episode of Out of the Pan. Um, As always, folks, tune in at 12pm on Sundays to listen to Sally speak all things pansexual. Um... Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves from the 3CR studios in Melbourne and via podcast. And today I'm joined in the studio by Freedom of Species uh, guest and friend, Christian Freitag. Thanks, Christian. Um, and before we, um, before we get into things, I actually want to thank Sally for, uh, for reminding us that yesterday was World Octopus Day. Oh. and. It's great to take a moment um, to remember all of the octopus, octopuses, which is the plural in Not English, in, in, okay. <laughs> British, in British English, um, is octopuses. Uh, yeah, recognising octopuses, which are incredibly, incredibly um, charismatic and wonderful animals who have a huge level of intelligence um, and they're just entirely fascinating creatures so they use a lot of um camouflage and mimicry and things like this in the environment to um to hide and to stalk and to move around and and they're just great do you have any any thoughts or they have recognizable individual personalities as well um recognizable sentience which will lead in very nicely to something we'll discuss later today (laughs) that's true that is that is um a very good lead into our discussion today uh and and interestingly, um, the cephalopods have only recently sort of been more broadly classified under those animals who we might think have sentience um, compared to, say, um, mammals and birds and, and other terrestrial animals that get a lot more uh, airplay. Um, cephalopods in recent decades have now been recognised as as just as incredible and just as worthwhile as uh, um, respecting for those sorts of characteristics and traits and recognising those characteristics and traits. Um, Not to say that intelligence or charisma are the only things that we should care about when thinking about animals (laughs) and why they matter. But just again, just it's always great to recognise and um, remember and have a think about those animals that we share the world with um, and think about what they're interested in. And yesterday gave us an opportunity to do that for octopuses. Plenty of wonderful... I do, do you have any octopus stories, actually? <laughs> um, the first thing that comes to mind... I don't have an individual one, <laughs> um, but if you haven't seen it, was that... There was a Netflix documentary not too long ago. Is that My Octopus Teacher or yep. something like that? Yep. Which was just a really well-made documentary. I'd recommend it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a, it got, was very popular a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah, um, um, a guy in was it Cape Town? In I South believe Africa? so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's about a um, a cinematographer, or he was like a, a he, he filmed video, or he was a yeah. photographer or something, and he spent he was a bit burnt out, and he spent every day diving um, yep. near his home and. Uh, Formed found, a relationship yeah. with an individual octopus. Yeah, uh, that's right. So it sort of goes through that whole octopus's like lifespan as he mm. explores the sea or like the little area of the sea yep. with it. Um, and it's just well well filmed as well. It's just a really well told story. 
Yeah, and I think it's this, again, this thing that we talk a lot about here on Freedom of Species, um, which is the relationships that we can form and build with other animals and that they can be really special and that it's not just dogs and cats and that we can form yeah. relationships with, but many other many other animals and that it seems sort of almost for, for many animals, uh, this intrinsic part of living is that we form relationships with one another. Um, so, yeah. World Octopus Day. Yeah. Celebrate it. Do you have any uh, I do. octopus yeah. fact? Not, <laughs> Maybe, fa- not or, facts, yeah. but I remember um, in when I was young, my dad owned a, just a little like block, bush block down near Walkerville, which is a beach in sort of East Victoria. Uh, and we, we used to go down and it just had these beautiful rock pools. So we'd always be down there looking through what rock pools and we'd, I'd always get really, really excited when we found a blue ring octopus in a rock pool and <laughs> start like poking around and trying to get it to turn blue, which I now realise is not a very nice thing to do <laughs> no. um, and probably slightly dangerous. Um, mm. But yeah, just absolutely beautiful creatures. Yep. And yeah, very, very special in many, many ways. Mm. All right. So today we're actually... so. We, I was so Sally. Sally was mentioning we were going to talk about um, the science of animals and veganism, and I certainly had planned to do that until I realised last night that there's a very time-sensitive issue that I thought was important to share with um, our Victorian audience here and and wider audiences, but certainly the Victorian um, folk who are listening in, and that's because the government are currently going through a consultation period for getting um, community feedback on some laws that they're hoping to write a bill for next year. And it's to update the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act, or the POCTA Act, which um, the Victorian government legislated in 1986. And as you can imagine, things have changed a lot since 1986 about how we consider animals, how we um, understand their capacities and their needs and their interests. And so the, um, the POCTA Act sort of legislated animal welfare and does legislate animal welfare regulations for all sorts of industries. Um, and outlines the legal treatment of domestic and wild animals. Uh, and it's, it's a product of its time. It's a bit outdated and it has a whole bunch of exemptions for industry. Um, it implies animal sentience, but it doesn't explicitly recognise animal sentience and then what that means for um, how we might treat animals or the legal requirements around care and protection. Um, and, you know, we've talked on this show how POCTA Act sort of is a, a form of legislation or a, an act that covers certain conduct in regards to animals. But if you have a code of practice, you're in the dairy industry and you're working under a code of practice or you're in the puppy breeding or dog breeding mm. industry and work under the code of practice, then you're actually not captured under... Um, the you're not legally bound by the POCTA Act. You've got um, you're exempt exemptions. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And the yeah codes of practice made under the POCTA Act and the Livestock Management Act standards give these um, exemptions to many industries, um, and means that compliance with provisions of POCTA codes can provide a defence to a prosecution under the POCTA Act. So it's like POCTA codes, um, they allow you to get out of basically what is legislated in the Act. Uh, and industry make these codes so that they don't have to comply. So you can still, you know, um, mules, sheep, for instance. Mm. Some pretty, so if, if we were to really think about the care and protection of animals, then you would, you would think that mulesing would be something that's probably pretty heinous um, in most cases, and we, we try to get, a, get rid of that. Um, and there's other, other examples of those sorts of practices that we have that are, that are covered under codes. Um, but a couple of years ago, 
the Victorian government, you know, the Pockduck has a lot of problems. A couple of years ago, the Victorian government started the process to update animal care and protection laws in Victoria. And this is something that's happened around the world and around Australia um, and has been happening over the last decade or so. Um, and the idea is that they will pass new, new legislation with stronger care and protection for animals. And so in 2020, they announced that they were going to be doing this update of the POCT Act and um, bringing in new animal care and protection laws. And so they put out a call for what do we want? What do we care about in these um, in relation to animal care and protection? And they got they went through a community consultation a couple of years ago. Whole got a lot whole lot of feedback. And usually, what happens in these community consultations is they open up a they do a call out to the community. This includes stakeholders or general um, community members. So anyone listening to this right now, you are someone that can contribute to the um, consultations that the state government put out. And um, they're trying to get a feel for what people care about, what should be included in these new laws. Um, and this consultation for the update of animal care and protection laws is called the Consultation Reforming Victoria's Animal Care and Protection Laws. Um, and it gives you the opportunity to have your say on the plan for Victoria's new animal care and protection laws. So they've put together a after the 2020 consultation, they put together a whole bunch of um, points that they want to then write into a draft bill next year. And this includes, and we'll go through some of these, um, but things like officially recognising animal sentience in Victoria. And then that has certain implications for the rest of the laws. Um, and that's something that the community came together and said, we need to do this. Um, and put into that consultation. It was always, already something they'd thinking about, but through community um, consultation, it became a priority, and now they're packaging it into this um, set of laws that they want to write into a bill that they'll try to pass for legislation. Um, have you ever been part of a... Have you ever contributed to a consultation? No. No. <laughs> no. I have, um, and what, and I've I've done it for a couple of things. I'm pretty sure I did it for the 2020 um, general general one, um, the first round of consultation on this particular process. But I've also also done it for environmental ones as well. Yep. Um, process around uh, consultations for environment and for local government. Local, so or in in Australia, if you're in Australia, and I imagine this is true in many other countries, um, a lot of government agencies nowadays have this sort of requirement to have a consultative period with the community mm. on many, many projects that they're running. And it's seen as, you know, more democratic. You get your voice heard. Those who want to be heard get their voice heard. And each person who contributes, they each um, contribution needs to be considered. So yeah. if you get 500 contributions, every one of those needs to be considered. Yep. They can't just ignore one because it says the same thing as the other one that just came in. Um, everyone needs to be considered. And what often happens with these controversial consultation consultations around really um, controversial and important um, pieces of legislation that are being planned that particularly have stakeholder interests and maybe stakeholder bias um, the stakeholders will often mobilise their constituents and their communities to put in, um, to highlight their interests in relation yeah. to this. So I had a quick look and I just had a quick look on um, updating POCTA Act, um, Field and Game Victoria. And for those who aren't aware, Field and Game Victoria is a, um, a group that are... It's, that have special interest in hunting animals. Usually, um, they they have a strong interest in uh, duck hunting. So, mm. for field and game in Victoria, the largest probably constituent of those are probably duck hunters. And field and game, they are really interested in maintaining the ability for their members to hunt ducks and other animals. And I went on and, and two years ago they they had in their Facebook 
page, you know, they were, had a call out to their members saying, we need to um, have you, each and every one of you, put in a application or a feedback on this consultation process um, because we want to maintain duck hunting and updates to these care and protection laws, animal care and protection laws, might jeopardise our ability to hunt ducks. Yep. And so, um, and they also said, and we particularly don't want them, don't want them to legislate or recognise, officially recognise animal sentience um, because that's a slippery slope and means that we'll have our rights to hunt animals taken away from us um, down the line. And so many of these groups that do use animals, often industry groups, say breeders or greyhound races or, um, you know, uh, horse trainers and all of these sorts of industries who are using and communities who are using animals um, are often very well organised and they will get their people in to put in uh, put in feedback. And every single person that puts in feedback, the government needs to um, consider. Yep. So if you get 100 hunters putting in, no, we need to maintain hunting, then that has a certain sway on the discussion, yeah. right? Because yeah. every single one of those needs to be considered. So when it comes to the animal side, we also need to be speaking up and... Um, putting forward what we think might be best for animals. And so I thought it was really important for freedom of species where we, you know, we give a, we give um, or we extend the voice of animals. Uh, animals have a voice and we are just trying to extend that out to those who would be interested in listening and hearing. And um, it's important for us to also put in our feedback so that it can be considered alongside other groups' feedback. So if you've got the time, um, this consultation is open right now and it's open for one more week. Um, and it's really important if you've got the time, just put in something. There's a whole bunch of stuff you can focus in on one piece of the, um, of the proposed, law, uh, proposed ideas within the, within the consultation, the plan that they've got. And I'll give you some details in a second. We'll go into a, a several of those. Um, or you can give a really broad general one about the whole thing. Um, there's a few things that they're looking for when you write feedback. And the feedback is sought on priorities and concerns about the plan. Uh, impacts. So what impacts are, though, are certain um, aspects of the um, proposed animal care and protection laws going to have? the unintended consequences, and the gaps. And so there's going to be a whole bunch of people putting stuff into this. And I think it's just important that a community like Freedom of Species and those of us who really care for the animals in Victoria and, and everywhere else, we, um, we try to make this process work for animals as much as possible. So... I'm going to um so if you if you were going if so if you can before Friday have a look at some of this stuff that I'll I'll um mention and submit your feedback in writing clearly identify which policy or policies you are responding to and upload your submission onto the Engage Victoria website and I'll give you some um website so what you can search for so you can find this search for engage victoria new animal welfare act victoria and the website is engage.victoria.au uh, .gov.au forward slash new dash animal dash welfare dash act dash victoria but if you just search for new animal welfare act victoria engage victoria then you'll find that consultation process um the other place to look is the Animal Justice Party um, has put together the Victorian Victorian Party um, branch has put together a overview of this process, um, 
And so if you search for new animal care and protection laws under the Animal Justice Party Victoria, and if you go onto their website, if you just go to Victorian Animal Justice Party and you go to news, um, and it's basically the most recent news item that's up, um, and they've got a whole lot of links and they give an overview to this process. They've produced a guide and we'll be going through some of those things in the guide but the um, guide includes points to all of the different um, specific points that the uh, plan for Victoria's animal welfare uh, animal welfare laws um, what they are and it gives some ideas about you know what what animal justice party think thinks is good where they think the gaps are and how we might um, example solutions but certainly you don't have to follow their guide it's just there to give you an idea um, but I'd certainly encourage you to have a look through yourself find those things that are most important to you and write a uh, a response and some feedback to the government on this issue. And for instance, you might really be interested in knowing and and, under, and learning that they're actually giving a um, exemption for, uh, I think it's electronic collars for dogs, you know, and there's places all around Australia, all around the world who have banned these shock collars because they're terrible, mm. right? They're really bad for dog welfare. Um they're flagging already that that's something that they'll allow an exemption for in this new legislation. So if that's something that motivates you, then you might go in and write some feedback on that particular point and just that point. You don't have to go into all the other things. It's, it's, there's a lot there, but have a look through, figure out what matters to you and what you are most concerned about, and then um, I'd really strongly encourage anyone who's got the time you know, half an hour, an hour to um, contribute, do your, you know, civic duty for the animals, um, give them a voice in this in this political process uh, to strengthen this for animals as much as possible. Because I can tell you that the other side are going to try and wa be watering this down as much mm. as they can. I think the other thing as well to factor into legislation is that it helps shape, like it might not be perfect at the very start but it helps shape the future and so if you're writing um, something you want considered also think in terms of not just now but like the next you know five ten twenty years of where you want to get to because definitely lobby parties like the like interest groups will be thinking that way they want to protect their various industries and so if you're wanting to protect certain elements of animal welfare or animal rights then definitely think about the specific wording um, of how a bill might look. Mm. Um, I know it's very broad, <laughs> but yeah, just um, have a think about that if you're writing a consideration as well. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that after the um, after they've heard or had the consultation period, they will go and they'll you know they'll do um, analysis and and pull together all the ideas that are coming through in the. Mm. Um, in that cons during that consultation. And I think for the previous stage, they had like 1,500 sort of pieces of mm. feedback or something. So a lot of people care about this stuff. And some of that feedback will be from industry bodies or from groups like RSPCA or vet, vet, um, you know, Australian Veterinary Associations, whatever. Yeah. But they also, I think they release a lot of that as well. They'll actually, they have to make it public, publicly available what people have provided feedback mm. on, um, which can also be interesting. And it means that certain points are there in perpetuity, that someone can go back and say, you know, okay, this, this was mentioned. Yeah. Um, it might not be in there this time, but it's something that's been mentioned at least. Yeah. Um, but really, really important to engage in our um, democratic processes in this way. Uh, we get an opportunity to have a say, I suppose. Mm. We may feel a bit um, <laughs> impotent sometimes, but I think it can it can really help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before we get into some of the specifics around this propose or the plan for this act um, will play a song. And this song was part of one of the questions last week on uh, uh, Nick and Caroline's trivia show. This is Silverchair Spawn Again. Mm. 
In the lead-up to the state election, join the Homes Not Prisons campaign for street theatre, speeches from people with a lived experience of criminalisation and a rally demanding investment in Aboriginal community-controlled public housing for criminalised women and their families. 4pm on Friday 14th of October at Parliament Steps in Nam, Melbourne. Keep the pressure on. Fun communities, not prisons and police. Friday 14 October, 4pm, Parliament Steps. Homes, not prisons, is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species here on 855 AM radio via podcast or online live. And today we're chatting about the um, plan to update Victoria's animal care and protection laws and your opportunity to provide feedback to the consultation process. So now that we sort of gave the hard sell of why why you should engage in this um, consultation process, I want to highlight um, some of the key um, points that they are trying to address for the during the process and the first one is a recognition of sentience so this will be animal sentience will be recognized explicitly for the first time in victoria and previously it was only implied um but the the legislation or the new legislation intends to recognize that animals have the capacity to feel perceive their environment, and experience positive and negative sensations. And I know mm. that that sounds very basic. <laughs> it sounds like, yeah, no, duh. Like, why do we even need to worry about I'd this? I'd say fundamental mm. as opposed to necessarily basic. Yep. I think basic, oh, yeah, different implications, but I'd say fundamental is the word I'd use. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I suppose the, the thing about um, recognising animal sentience is that we can build from that base, mm. I think, yep. you know, exactly. that we recognise if, if it's in legislation that, yes, animals feel, animals mm. perceive the world, have, have perception of the world, and they experience both positive and negative sensations, then we can have deeper conversations around what it means to engage with animals in certain ways mm. and how we might best engage them to um, minimise the impacts that we, we have on them. Yeah. Um, one of the sort of so so it's good i think that the legislation or the plan is to recognize animal sentience explicitly um but you know in all these things and we're going to talk about this a lot there's caveats and carve outs and um what they explicitly say in the plan is that recognizing animal sentience in the law does not give animals legal rights nor does it mean they can't be owned or used for legal purposes. So on the one hand, it's saying, yes, it's important. The science um, says that animals are sentient and it's important that we recognise that so that we can best practice good um, care and protection of them. Without recognising that, it's hard to actually practice care and protection of animals. Um, but then on the same, in the same sort of breath, we're saying, yeah, but they're still going to be property. Yeah. <laughs> It's a bit of a oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting sort of sleight of hand, and I wonder what it actually means. So, recognizing sentience, and they they yeah. sort of say here in each for each for the, they've got a plan that you can download that's um like ninety five pages long. You can read that whole thing, but they've also got like these summary pages for the different points that they're trying to put forward in the legislation, and they have like a, a what would change and what would not change um, by including these points in, in uh, legislation. Um, and that what they say, what would change, um, animal sentience would be explicitly recognised for the first time in Victoria, and then this recognition underpins the approach to the new laws. This includes setting basic care requirements for animals and the regulations of legal activities with a risk of causing animals harm, pain, and distress. Recognition of animal sentience also underpins the decision-making principles for the new act and the provisions for managing seized animals. So mm. it's sort of like, okay, yep, 
we recognize that they're sentient and what it's going to change is how we treat them as property. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's good things in this, um, what's being proposed at this point, but there's also severe deficiencies. Hmm. And yep. these are the sorts of things that you might speak on in your feedback. Yep. If this point in particular um, raises concerns for you, you might specifically um, want to raise those concerns in the feedback. Yeah. Um, and so, for instance, what would not change if we recognize animal sentience is, um, so recognizing animal sentience in the legislation does not mean that it states that animals think or feel the same as humans. Yep, no duh, that's, that's good. <laughs> um, recognizing animal sentience would not give animals legal rights, nor would it prevent them from being owned or used for legal purposes. Other laws and frameworks would continue to imply, apply. These are these exemptions, these carve-outs for um, industry. Hmm. Um, the current POCT Act, with its focus on preventing cruelty, was created because animal sentience is implicitly acknowledged. Yeah, I don't know how much that was actually um, useful in the, in the hmm. uh, protection of animals. Um, but recognising sentience would not change that animals must be treated humanely and protected from cruelty. This is already covered by specific offences. Um, so I think the recognition of animal sentience, I think, is a really important step. But it almost yep. feels like it's a bit of a... And I, and I think it will um, lead to longer-term, possibly, hopefully, longer-term... Um, changes in how we think about animals. Yeah, I would I would say it's more of a stepping stone. It may not have any like a direct practical impact straight away, but like you said before, it was they were saying it was implicit. Mm. That makes it still very difficult in terms of building for legislation off there. Like now, there's a bit of a stepping stone where you can actually say, okay, well, now we have sentience recognised in legislation. So what does that mean? Like when you're building out. Um, like your treatment of animals, and you can say, well, as per this law, we can see that animals are... I mean, obviously, we know they're sentient, but we can say, as per the law, it actually states it here. So what does that actually mean when we're now developing further um, protection of animals? Um, I think that's where it's actually quite important. Yep. So maybe not... might have practical impact straight away, but as more questions are raised as a result of this, um, I think that's where the real um, impact of it is felt. Yeah, and 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 hopefully it also um, is part of this larger trend that it it sort of sets the tone of yeah. how we consider animals more broadly. That it, I mean, it's catching up. I think. Yeah, it's catching I mean. I up think with it, sentiment. It causes questions to be asked. Yeah. Um, because if an animal is sentient, then it raises questions about okay, so why are we treating animals in such a way in this industry, for example, if we're if we know that they are recognised as sentient. Yep. Um, and then as a result of those questions being asked, then you can um, begin to refine legislation from there. So that's where I think it's quite important. Yep, yep, definitely. And in that, it's, you know, recognising animals are sentient. Then it goes on to say which animals are covered by these mm. laws. And it's fairly expansive. It's certainly more expansive than POCTA. Um, and it includes, you know, vertebrates, fish and um, reptiles and some decapod crustaceans and cephalopods and squids. Um, and it also allows for the inclusion of other animals based on new science and research, which I think is a great, a great um, thing to be able to have in there as well. Um, but what it doesn't do well, and this is highlighted by the AJP, so it might recognise... Um, it captures some animals, say, like dogs are captured um, and recognised as sentient. And we, I think most people, most of us, understand that and, and have experienced that with the uh, dogs that we live with. Um, but those dogs who are used for entertainment, like greyhounds or farm as farm animals, they'll be... Um, captured under different legislation. They're considered agricultural animals and they'll be exempted from the prevention of cruelty. Mm. And so on the one hand, it's saying, yeah, all these animals are included. But, except the ones that aren't. <laughs> yeah, except for the ones who are clearly sentient and clearly um, experience the world in really you know, vivid ways. 
and we're still going to use them just because they are a valuable resource to us. Yeah. So it's like there's like this this um, really weird schism going on in mm. this legislation. As you read through, it's doing some good things, but then there's all of these carve outs to maintain the status quo, which is to continue to use animals however we like, basically, yeah. um, with some improvements on requirements for care and yeah. protection, but only for certain animals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another, another part, and, and to that point, the legislative framework is a, is a part that they, um, a topic that they brought up, and it sort of points to, again, how does this legislation or how will this legislation fit in with other legislations um, like uh, agricultural animal legislations and, and things like that. And basically, it, it improves certain things, but basically, if you are an animal that's captured under one of these um, codes or a different type of legislation that says that you're able to be used, and um, then you won't be necessarily protected by the Prevention of Cruelty Act. So again, carve-outs. If that's something that you um, are concerned about, then have a read of that legislation, legislative framework part mm. of, the, um, of the document. And one more, just before we um, go to a song, there's a couple of points and I'm just scrolling through the document um, it's a long old document so definitely jump on and have a look if you've got the chance is yeah uh, do, 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 sorry <laughs> I do have this care and protection so there is a there will be a minimum sort of um, requirement for care for certain for, for animals um, and there's a there's going to be some cruelty offences. So there's going to be an increase um, in certain cruelty offences. Uh, for instance, there'll be three escalating cruelty, cruelty offences, including um, general cruelty, aggravated cruelty, and intentional or reckless cruelty, with each of these um, having more serious and um, serious sort of uh, punitive yeah. Impacts if you're if you're charged with those. Um, and then there's also a section on controlled conduct, so it's a bit more explicit about what isn't what is and isn't allowed. Um, but there's a couple of things that are still a lot still allowed that are um, a little bit problematic. I think so. It prohibits things like declawing cats. Great. That's good. Cats shouldn't be declawed. That's it's a an abuse. It's a um, mutilation of cats. They really need their claws. Um, you can't remove venom sac of a reptile. Again, this is something that has been you know a regular um, <laughs> is something that happens in uh, people who have reptiles as pets. They'll remove the venom sac, so it's a less dangerous mm. um, hobby to <laughs> quote hobby to have um, have venomous snakes uh can't crop ears of dogs can't dock the tails of dogs horses or cows um can't force feed poultry you know all this stuff is sort of yeah good of course we shouldn't be For doing things that. like um docking ears of cows is that again agricultural animals are exempt or is it like is yeah, there a, I, is there a wedge in terms of the kind of cow, as far as yeah, I, I'd imagine that there's probably some exemptions there, but yeah. um, you'd, we'd need to have a look into that a little bit more clearly. Um, you can't deprive an animal of iron, so veal. In the case of veal, uh, they deprive animals of iron to get a more pink flesh color than a red flesh color. Um, no live plucking of poultry uh, and or teeth grinding of sheep. But what is allowed? and it's been argued for, are um, allowed traps, allowed electronic devices, and allowed procedures that would otherwise um, be vet-only procedures. So there's still things in here that are 
um, allowed to be used. So electronic so, devices that might so be like, prods. Um, so yeah, like cattle prods or um, shot collars or, or stuff collars, like that. Yeah. yeah. And so if you've got certain issues around those things that they're explicitly saying are currently allowed or would be allowed, you might want to. Um, write some feedback on that. I'm guessing I'm guessing traps would be things like either mouse traps or yeah. um, and rabbit for... snares like or bear trap. I mean we don't have bears in Australia, I was thinking <laughs> broadly. Um yeah, those kind of things, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. there's some um Yeah, so there was there's some other things that you know, and AJP point out these uh that it would be nice if it was explicit that we ban 1080 poison, for instance, um, or that we ban mulesing and require mandatory pain relief for certain uh, things. Ban the use of shock aversion collars under mm. all circumstances. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that we can still fight to or provide feedback to try yep. and have included in here. I think this is the point where... Even if it's just like one specific thing, like say, like 1080 or um, shot collars, and I'm wanting to be like one little thing, but all these things add up together. Mm. And that the more they're actually included in shrine legislation, then again, this is like I was saying before, it can be a stepping stone. It won't be perfect, but as this gets refined and more questions are asked, because all of a sudden you're going, okay, we're protecting all of these different things. Why aren't we extending that same protection further? Yeah. Because then it, doesn't become consistent mm. and it doesn't become logical if it's not extended further. So that's why it's actually important to build on each of these little things and put each little consideration in there. Yep. And the AJP also highlight, you know, surgical procedures must only be performed by a licensed veterinarian. So you can't have farmers doing surgical procedures um, when they're not veterinarians. Uh, or ban the sale of products whose manufacturing processes do not comply with the standards set. For instance, we the, there will be new standards that say no live plucking of feathers, but we can still import down pillows that have been um, made from live plucking of feathers in another country. Yeah. And banning that would be a great step as well. So really um, encourage, if you've got a time and chance before Friday, set aside half an hour, set aside an hour and jump onto the Engage Victoria website look up the consultation for animal care and protection laws and chuck in a response. There's actually also a process where you can go through. They've just got a um, high-level survey. You don't even have to put in feedback. You can just do a survey on they've put something together. You can just do a survey response. So that would even be great if you've got the time. That would be maybe 20 minutes to complete that. Um, all right, this is all we've got time for for this discussion. Um, but we, I'm going to play a song now. Um, it's one that I found on uh, YouTube, and you might have you might have seen or heard of a song um, by Joyner Lucas called "I'm Not Racist," and it's like this two sides of of a discussion. It's quite a full on discussion. One from a person who's racist and another African American. Um, and it's a really good song. Check it out if you haven't haven't um, seen it yet. But someone did a parody of that song called "I'm Not Vegan." And you'll get a feel <laughs> for the um, for the style of song that it is through this. I'm not a vegan. Look, man. I'm really proud of you, cause going vegan is not something that I could do, you make it seem so simple as if I could choose, <laughs> it's just pathetic, like the shit is not in my genetics, to pick some chicken and steak over some lettuce, I'm addicted like a dope fiend, how the fuck else I'm supposed to get my protein, can't eat a cheeseburger in peace, can't have no bacon, no cheese, and you really trying to take that from me? Pun intended, you don't want this beef. Gotta be conscious of everything we eat now. Think of cancer every time I think of meat now. Shit is exhausting and a hassle. I'd rather die in a white castle. Shit is delicious. You look at me like I'm vicious. Like I put a cup in the sink when you was done with the dishes. Now fuck that. You're not a better human than me. Cause if a mosquito right now came and sat on your knee. Started sucking out the blood like the shit was for free. Ask yourself one thing before you come at me. 
Would you push it away to live as God-given life or slap that bitch like it's your God-given right? Exactly. So if all animals' life matters, when the lights come on and roaches scatter, don't you dare try to kill that roach. Pull up a seat, get some snacks, chill with the roach. Ask the roach how he doing, try to heal that roach. Pull out some beers, have a toast with the roach. And before you finish smoking, pass the roach to the roach. I know I'm getting passionate. Chicharrones in my face, I'm not having it. I'ma fucking lose my mind and start thrashing shit. I stopped talking to my cousin Carlitos. Came to Thanksgiving with a vegan coquito. Shit tasted like a fucking sofrito. Went home and did nothing but cry that night. If it was a vegan lasagna, I would've died that night. You expect me to lead a club full of Hennessy and look at the Chimi truck like that's my fucking enemy? Hell no, that's my best friend, bitch. And that's a relationship that will not end, bitch. You expect me to pick some carrots and some peas, boy? Over a patelito with chicken and cheese, boy? You fucking broccoli? I'ma keep eating chicken, try stopping me. You watch a vegan documentary, then try to lock us all in a vegan penitentiary? So now you're the humanitarians of the century, but I'm evil because you can't talk meat and not mention me? We all pick our fate, bro. Do me a favor, stop watching my plate, bro. No lie. I even try to play both sides. Vegan burger, $13, no fries. How the fuck could you adore that shit? You gotta make six figures to afford that shit. Vegan bacon, why the fuck would you explore that shit? No bacon, nigga, cheese, how could I endure that shit? With all that said, I respect your discipline. Just hate when y'all act like y'all so fucking innocent. I'm sad we can't even go out to eat no more. Just cause you not a fan of beef no more. Coming to an understanding sounds like a fable now. We in the cafeteria. Just sitting at different tables now. But I think I said enough. Don't want to get too deep. Even though your breath stink, I'm going to let you speak. You say you proud of me, but put the chicken wings down. Oh, I get it. You ain't needed some meat in your mouth. Wait a minute, you assuming you figured me out Cause ever since I went vegan, the treatment is different Concerned about my protein if I'm lacking or missing You say vegan's a white thing cause it's way too expensive Like the cost of your life is not already extensive I find it funny you assuming I'm the better man Since I spend it on food and not medicine Picture your body abused and I'm not giving a damn Pills kill my family, I'm just trying to stop the fucking trend So what the fuck you saying? You don't know nothing about a hassle Rather eat grass than White Castle Fuck fast food, don't you bring that in my kitchen Keep your fat face stuffed with that GMO chicken Do you listen? It's yourself that you dissing Cholesterol high, bread is grease that you pissing We on a mission to stop the slaughter at the slaughterhouse Bet you never been there just to see what it's all about Animals infested with diseases, you will not believe this The type of scene to make an atheist reach out to Jesus Peep this, do you know it's a milk? Cow pus, some blood, but they selling it still. You want us to chill? Fuck that, humanity's ill. I bet you would feel scarier than Amityville. Them animals killed for no good reason, man. We don't crave they flesh, we crave seasoning. So what's the word on the street? People watch what they health, but don't know what they eat. Now grab a seat. Beans is a protein for me. Or avocado with some kale. Ain't no need for the meat. You want cheese? Simple. It could be a breeze. Made from different type of nuts. Except these. Chickpeas for my ex, please. Coconut milk looking like it's fresh squeeze. I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes. Come at me wrong, I could shut up a hater. Talking shit now, I could laugh at you later. But let me not do that. You my man's, I ain't go vegan to do that. Shit, I was just like you, feeling lost and confused. Yeah, that whole cycle. I get it, bro. Like, it's a lot to think about, a lot to take in. I didn't want to get too heavy. But on your own time, you should definitely research Dr. Sebi, like for real. We can sit at the same table, it's not a problem. Did you know Oreos are vegan too? So we can share that, you know what I'm saying? You're listening to 855 AM. I had another um, thing that I wanted to, oh, sorry. I had another, um, sorry? They're on. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking. Um, sorry, Christian's just telling me not to talk when I want to talk. So that was... Um, Apologies. <laughs> that was um, I'm Not Vegan by YouTuber Raydel Ortez. And I had another, I had another um, piece of work that I wanted to share with you from a um, student at Deakin University who's doing an honours project. They 
they do in during the honors project they do a um, podcast a short podcast is one of their assignments and some of the students do stuff that's really great sort of discussions of recent research on um, particular issues and uh, Shanika who is doing a project with me is doing a project on the representations of animal agriculture in climate change media in Australia going to be a great project we'll talk about it next year folks um but they did a really really nice podcast on dugong and uh dugong unfortunately being um a a population of dugong in south china being declared functionally extinct which is really really sad um really horrible to hear uh and i just tried to play it but i think i've got it in a video format and i need to get it into an audio format. So I'm going to save that one for another show into the future. Um, And yeah, it's really, really, it's a nice podcast, but it's a, um, it's a sad story. It's one that it's um, important to recognize that all around us, there are still animals going extinct and that, you know, I'm not just not sure what we're doing to um to stop it. It seems to be we focus so much on other things mm. that the animals in our world do not get much of a chance to um have a say or be heard or be protected. Yep. I mean, little little things like the not to harp on it, <laughs> like the the bill that's going for those little pieces um they all add up. Mm. So that's that's something that we actually can do and something which we've at least here in Victoria, for example, we've got some state which we can help try and protect animals with. Um, yep. And all those little pieces add up, hopefully. Yep. Yes, and it sort of speaks to not just like thinking about how we as individuals can act individually. Because I'm sure a lot of people listening to the show um, may already be vegan or planning on it or already care about animals and, and care about animals that are close to them in their local area and their local environment. Um, but what are the ways that we can think globally, act locally, I love that, mm. but also how can our actions add to larger and wider action for animals? Because Saving dugongs in South China Sea is not something that we necessarily have a lot of um, a lot of power to do, but what is it that we can do that sort of adds something to that? And I think I don't like maybe I'm naive, um, but I think that a growing sense of concern for animals um, and care for animals is part of that a cultural yep. shift towards a world where we really consider who animals are hmm. and what their needs are. By by shifting a conversation, you begin to change social and cultural norms, I think, towards the way animals are considered mm. um, and the way in which we interact with them. Um, yeah, and it's just about a matter of caring for the, the planet as a whole. <laughs> um, yeah, every little bit helps. Certainly does. So get out there, do your do your bit, do what you can, folks. Um, make sure you jump on and check out that um, reforming Victoria's animal care and protection laws. Um, so it closes on the sixteenth of October. That's next Friday or oh, next Sunday, actually. I think it is. Sorry, yeah, I've been saying Friday. It's next Sunday. Um, so make sure you check that out. Open for feedback at the moment, um, and yeah, jump on. Have a go. Uh, complete just the survey if you don't have time to provide specific feedback that you've you've written or you've come up with. And also, if you're interested, check out the AJP site, um, Victorian Animal Justice Party. Uh, and if you look on their news page and look for new animal care and protection laws, they've got some great resources there for you to look at and, and use. Um, Thank you, everyone. We are going to go out on a song. Uh, This is... And so stay tuned, actually, I should say. Stay tuned for rotations. Um, It's a... You know, every week there's some really great and interesting music played um, and it's a really fun music show. If you've got any feedback for us, you can shoot us an email at info at freedomofspecies.org or via Facebook or Twitter at Foz Radio. We'll be here next... Sunday 
um, here every Sunday, 1 till 2. Uh, you can tune in by 8.55am in Melbourne or via streaming on the 3CR website. Thanks for joining us today, Christian. No worries. Happy to be here. This song is Ready to Fall by Rise Against. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.